With the waters of Buses Bay lapping on the shore nearby, RPM News Weekly presents Rick's Tech Talk. Here in the RPM studio, I've got Cousin Rick on the line in Needham, Massachusetts. Good afternoon, Cousin Rick. Good afternoon, Rich. How are you? I'm very well. And yourself? I'm fine, but I'm not in Needham. I'm in uh, the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. Oh, wow. Okay, so you took a little road trip this weekend. Are you just getting there? Yes, it's the, the Tech Talk secret headquarters. <laughs> All right. Well, you got some secret news for us? What's, uh, what's on the agenda this week? No, it's week? not a secret, but the, the ride of the week is the 2024 Subaru Impreza RS. Ah. Now, this is the hatchback version of the Impreza. It, ours is in magnetite gray metallic. Okay. And oh. it... Uh, it's got the 2.5-liter Subaru Boxer engine, which puts out 182 horsepower and 178 pound-feet of torque. It's hooked up to a continuously variable transmission, which you also have paddle shifters, so you can simulate an eight-speed manual shifter. And the EPA numbers for the hatchback here comes out 23 miles per gallon city, 33 miles per gallon highway for combined EPA mileage rating of 29 miles per gallon, which is just about on the spot with what I got driving around in uh, on the highway and uh, around town. So some of the features of the uh, Impreza RX it has steering responsive LED headlights. So when you turn the wheel, when you're rounding a corner at night, the headlights yep. point more in the direction that you're traveling. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. And with the RS, you have 18-inch sport alloy wheels. Mm -hmm. you, uh, you also get uh, a special sound-insulating windshield, wireless phone charging, and you have both USB-A and USB-C charging ports. Sounds pretty checked out. Yeah, and that, what's interesting is that, uh, okay, I, you know, we drove this Subaru Impreza sedan a couple of years ago, and that uh, that's nice, responsive, and uh, it's fairly quiet. Be being a hatchback, the RS is a little more noisy, but one feature it has, it uh, it has the stop-start or start-stop technology that when you drive up to a traffic light, the engine shuts off to save fuel. Mm -hmm. And it has a function that you can look at to see how much fuel you've saved for how many minutes the engine's been stopped. And for 16 minutes, when I had the car, it, it was stopped for 16 minutes on the start-stop function, and that saved a tenth of a gallon, which may not seem much, but if you're in heavy city driving, that's uh, that's uh, it'll add up. Sure, and you multiply that by thousands of cars, and we've got some good savings uh, for the environment. Right. the uh, The price of the Impreza RS for 2024 is twenty-seven thousand eight hundred and eighty-five dollars which when you put on a 
destination and delivery charge comes out $28,975. So these days, that's uh, well below the price of an average car. Yeah, very affordable. it's affordable for, uh, say, first-time car buyers who want a new car. And and a reli- for such a reliable car. Yes, right. Plus, uh, you may remember the, the, the hellacious rainstorm we had last weekend mm-hmm. down, yeah. Oh, yeah. down where you are on the south coast. Yeah, yeah. And I was uh, driving from Needham to Rhode Island when that hit. And that's when you really appreciate the Subaru all-wheel drive i can imagine yeah we were going through there and uh, you feel confident i mean you're not going to go barreling through when everybody else is slowing down but uh, you have uh, some confidence in uh, the car and in your driving sure so that's this week's uh, ride of the week the subaru impreza rs for 2024 wow glad to hear about it so what else have you got for us this week Okay, staying with automotive, but Toyota is upping the ante for its battery factory that they're building in North Carolina. They're doubling the investment to about $16 billion in this plant and creating about 5,000 jobs. And when the plant begins operation in 2025, it'll serve as uh, the U.S. epicenter of lithium-ion battery production, which will supply the Kentucky plant that will be building the U.S.-made electric vehicles. Now, this is because the the federal government dictates now that if you want to get a federal tax credit or rebate, you have to have an electric vehicle or plug-in vehicle with the battery built in the U.S. Right. And the car built in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So that means more jobs and, uh, you know, more more U.S. workers. Yeah, and we're going to need those batteries, too. You know, uh, reports from Cox Automotive are pointing to uh, increase in EV sales uh, in the third quarter, like uh, over 300,000 units. So uh, things are looking up. Okay, well, that that points ahead to next week's uh, ride of the week, which will be which is I'll tease that for next week. It's a sleeper plug-in vehicle, uh-huh. so you can wait and see what that is. <laughs> Stay tuned, right? <laughs> yes. All right. So, what else have we got in the news? Okay, this is from uh, General Electric and a couple of other uh, people in a consortium. There, they've developed what they call a supercritical CO2 electric generator. Now, this is a, uh, it's a turbine that it's maybe three feet across and four feet long, but it can produce uh, 10 megawatts of power. It's it's a pilot unit. And what it does, it, it uses carbon dioxide as the working fluid rather than water and steam. And by using carbon dioxide it's easier it takes less energy to fire it up and get it running to generate electricity and it uh, it's 10 percent more efficient than uh, current steam turbines mm. and what's interesting is that it's a compact unit and they're looking to 
say, improve the efficiency of turbine-generated electricity, which in the future would use maybe nuclear energy, geothermal, concentrated solar, and, and maybe wind power to power up an electric generator. Okay. So that'll be uh, starting up. Let's see the pilot program. I think it's going to be starting in 2025, if I have my my notes correct. No, I can't find it, so I won't waste time. Something to watch. Yeah. And uh, let's see. No, this yeah, this will be running next year to start up. It, it just was completed. Okay. And uh, moving along with the topic of uh, energy efficiency, Honeywell is, uh, in the aviation industry, there's a big drive to develop what they call SAF, that's sustainable aviation fuel. You would produce fuel, jet fuel, from carbon neutral sources that uh, Honeywell is working on a program, and lots of other companies are working on program to develop this fuel. They're, they want to produce using biomass and uh, biomass residues and other uh, agricultural products, sugars, cellulose, and to uh, develop aviation fuels that when they're burned in, say, an airline or the overall process is carbon neutral, that the carbon, the lack of carbon production and producing the fuel makes up for burning it in the, in the jet engine. So it's a carbon neutral cycle. And that's a, uh, that's admirable. Hot topic in the, yeah. It's a hot topic in the aviation industry because, you know, you have people saying, well, you know, uh, airliners and well, everybody has to fly if you're going some long distance, but then you have the people in their private jets. But if they can come up with a carbon neutral way, they can keep their private jets and uh, not have to fly with the riffraff. <laughs> hey, 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 I resemble that remark, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, you're a Stooges fan, eh? <laughs> okay, and let's see, another uh topic of uh, efficiency, okay, for uh, the aviation industry. Airbus builds some of their smaller airliners in the U.S. down in Alabama, and a lot of the components are shipped from Europe to Alabama. And so they're having a fleet of three ships to carry the, the big components across the Atlantic. They do this now with conventional ships, but they're gonna have three ships with six large vertical, it looks like vertical cylinders on top of the ship. And these are called Flettner rotors. They, they're cylinders that spin. And so they take the advantage of the prevailing winds to generate lift and propel the ship. It's, it's kind of similar to uh, the way a, a baseball, when it's thrown with a spin, it, it becomes a curveball. Mm -hmm. And so these cylinders spinning, when the air runs over them, it generates a force that uh, can help propel the ship. 
and it's called the Fletner Rotor. This, uh, it's an idea that's been around for about 100 years, and when it was first tried in 1924, it worked, but it wasn't very efficient. That's maybe because they only had two of these rotors on the ship, and maybe it took a lot of power to, to do that, so it was too complex at the time. Yeah. So that's, uh, you'll see these ships with these uh, tall cylinders, rotating cylinders on them. So interesting. It's sort of like sailing in a way. Yeah, it is. You 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 don't have to, uh, you know, rig sails and, or it, it's more a case of just spinning the rotors in what direction you spin it. That, uh, so I think the control might be easier, but we'll have to see how that works out. It's kind of like sailing, where you where you tack against the wind and uh, you know navigate by like that. Mm -hmm. All right. So what's next on the agenda here? Okay. Well, to to wrap things up, this comes from uh, down Australia way. Okay, it's from the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology, and it's a gel-free EKG sensor pad. Now, if you've ever had a, an EKG when you go in for a physical exam, you know, they, they slap you with these 12 sensors with gel on your body and record the EKG. Mm-hmm. Now, if, say, you're, you're, you need long-term monitoring, this gets kind of uncomfortable. But at, the, uh, at RMIT, they've developed a gold electrode, a thin gold electrode with a Bluetooth generator in it, a small little pad that you can put on the skin. You don't need any gel. It it doesn't irritate the skin at all. And you can have it on long-term to generate a signal to monitor the heart. And because they're so highly conductive, instead of having 12 of these things, you only need four to have effective monitoring. Nice. So you could take them home with you. That's right. So you could, you know, you could have it record to your phone and send the signal back to the, the, uh, the doctor or the, uh, the hospital and have, have a little bit easier monitoring. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, that's uh, some interesting news there. Uh, very helpful, I'm sure, for a lot of folks who have to keep a close eye on things in the cardiac area. Right. I know when I when I have an EKG, you know, once a year you go in there and it's kind of, uh, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not terrible, but it's not right. also that pleasant either. But you know, a little help here. Plus, if it's more effective, that that's uh, that's where it counts even more. Sure, and it'll catch you in a lot of circumstances, not just sort of lying prone on the bed, uh, you know, at the doctor's office. Right, you can do it while doing activity. All right. Well, thank you for these uh, latest updates. And uh, I guess we're calling that a wrap. That's a wrap. Glad we could get together. Be well. Likewise. And enjoy your visit to the Catskills. We'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks, Rick. This has been a nice recording with our friend Rick for Rick's Tech Talk, a regular feature on RPM News Weekly. Thanks for joining us this week on the RPM News Weekly podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at rpmnewsweekly.com for more automotive news and interviews.